Pudding People to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Vanilla Seymour, with your co-host, Richard Chocolate Geiger. How are you, good sir? Smooth and creamy. That's how we aim for it. Natural milk is the key to a good pudding. So, we are excited. We are ecstatic. We are pleased to have you with us with another episode. In fact, this is a continuation episode of what we have already started uh, previously, it is our part two coverage of Origins Game Fair in Ohio from 2019. So you remember a little bit of what we talked about before, right, Richard? O-H-I-O. That's right. Um, you went to a hotel and it wasn't good. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, that will even be in the pros and cons that should be up uh, uh, this week alongside this uh, alongside this particular episode. I. I can't not tell the story. I know the pros and cons is about the convention, but the hotel is connected to the convention in the sense that it's part of the experience. Part of the experience. And so it's nothing nothing Origins did, but I, it, it was my way to just kind of impress upon readers how important getting a good hotel is. Money isn't everything. No. Uh, Wait. But tetanus can be devastating. That's the second half of that. Can you get tetanus from cockroaches? I don't know, but I didn't want to test. Whatever it is, I felt like I caught at least three or four different diseases while I was in that room. Don't take a black light with you. It might scare you. Yeah, yeah, I'm fairly certain that's accurate. So, we've already kind of gone over what the convention was like. We've already kind of gone over what the basic concepts of uh, everything were. So what we're going to do now is just kind of lead up to a couple of other really fun conversations that we, or that I had while I was there. Um, The great thing about Origins is all of the uh, major board game, card game, tabletop game, RPG developers have a presence. So it gives a chance to kind of know what's coming out, what they're excited about. Uh, you know, just the, the different things going on in the industry. So in our first conversation, uh, I had the opportunity to talk with the nice folks at Yellow. Now, as is a habit with everything that I do, I do my utmost to completely just destroy whatever name I can possibly have. But specifically, I think I've got these ones. Uh, Crystal I. Daniels is who I started speaking with. And then I had the chance to also speak with Diana Ramirez. Um, I was, I was more concerned about Crystal Eye because, you know, I, I, I mess it up in front of the people too, not just on the podcast because I'm apparently just awful at names. Builds that humility when you're yeah. butchering it in front of their face. It, it reminds me that I am just a, a, a small speck a small moat on the planet (laughs) that could just be so much better. But anyway, it was a fantastic couple of interviews. Uh, uh, Crystal, I gave me a little idea of of some of the current stuff that's going on. And then I got some of the history of the company and, and some other stuff from Diana. So I hope you will enjoy. Here we are in 2019 Origins Game Fair in Columbus, Ohio. I am here with Crystal A. Daniels uh, with the game company Yellow. Thank you for talking to me today. Thank you for coming out. So what exactly do you do for Yellow? So I am part of the marketing department here at Yellow. um, And today we are showing you a bunch of our new games that are going to hit the market soon, starting uh, next month all the way until October. Fantastic. So, all right, we were talking just a minute ago, one of the games that you were really excited about was called Ishtar. Describe that a little bit to me. Yes, so Ishtar is a tile placement game where you are building glorious gardens uh, from the fountains. It is based on the goddess Ishtar, who um, was moved by a gardener who was in despair because he couldn't build anything in the desert. So she sent his tears that had fallen through the sand to the underworld, to the other world, um, back as fountains, so that he could build these great uh, gardens for the king and queen of Babylon. So. So what kind of a style of game is this? Is this a kind of a light introductory game? Is this intended for people that are 
uh, experienced gamers to, to try and get into or somewhere kind of in between? It's kind of in between. It's easy to catch on with um, the, the story, the structure, the tile placements. Um, you basically use your gems that you collect from placing your tiles to purchase trees, which in turn gather you more victory points for the end. And there are actions that you can also purchase with the gems to be able to gather more points in the end. That, that I think is a good description. So for a lot of our, our friends are always uh, debating about what style of game is kind of more conducive to a group, whether a more solitaire game where we're all doing our own thing, trying to build up ourselves without really any interaction with the other players, whether having a little bit of jostling for position is more fun and we're competitive and trying to take the resources that are there, or whether a cooperative game where we're all working towards the same goal with maybe somebody that's trying to work against the group is more fun. Which of those three would you say this falls into? Are you jostling for position, or is this more of a solitaire game? You are definitely jostling for a position because you want to be the gardener with the most flower beds and the most uh, fountains in your control to be able to win the most victory points. Excellent, excellent. Well, what's some of the other fun stuff? I, I see some some interesting things here. What's this uh, double rumble? So we have double rumble. It is part of our 8-bit box gaming console and it is a fighting game where um, pollution has taken over the city and there are enemies and mob bosses that you can either play solo or with a friend to defeat them and clear the city to be safe and well again. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Now obviously we're going to have images of all of these up on with the video as we go. I'll take several pictures to kind of give an idea for everybody what to expect. Uh, now, Kanagawa, has that has that one actually already been out for a little while? Uh, this looks familiar. Yes. So, Kanagawa is um, an anamorphic painting game. It has been out for a while, but we now have Yokai and ex- its expansion. Ah. And in Yokai, there are now um, ghosts and spirits that you can collect to help your paintings but also need to get rid of by the end because they count against you if you are holding them at the end excellent um okay so i i got got to take one quick break away from the new stuff to ask a couple of questions now yellow's got a lot of great games um how long have you been with yellow now a month. A month. Okay. So I, I, before I asked the question, I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to be probing into something that wasn't there. But were you aware of the products before working for Yellow? Are you? A I knew they yourself? had a large line of games. I was mm-hmm. not aware of how extensive that line was. <laughs> but I am excited to continue playing them and learning more and just getting really fully involved in this different world did they get you to play at least uh king of tokyo or king of new york i have played king of tokyo did you get to use the the giant dice and the big things no but we actually do have the giant setup right (laughs) behind us if you would like to go play well you know it's it's always entertaining um so that one was uh, a really big hit because uh, it had a, a very nice aesthetic it had um, a simple gameplay. It's a, it's a fairly quick game for the most part. Nothing too terribly uh, complex, and it's just kind of a, a, a joy to play. Um, what do you know about the history of Yellow potentially before that? Do you know anything in that range? Um, I know that they're known for their artwork. They're known for the um, distinct tile pieces and... Um, really character features um <laughs> don't worry there is no wrong answer here i know i'm putting you on the spot uh, so, all i can say is it's an amazing company to work for yeah, and it's well, super fun <laughs> i was gonna say they always look like they're having fun they're always at gen con they're always at origins so it's it's, it's a very bright booth and a very easy place to kind of stop by and take a look Okay, so I did the segue into the history to get what, what I could of the history out. I'm sure I'll, I'll come back and try, and try and dig into that deeper later. But uh, 
so tell me of the games that we haven't talked about yet what is something that you're kind of excited that's coming about that uh, you we haven't talked about yet so there is a dexterity party game coming out called ninja academy okay you and your fellow teammates or players i should say are um competing in duels and uh, trials to see which one of you is the master ninja of the academy. <laughs> Excellent. So dexterity. So how exactly does this uh, play into dexterity? Are you building something? So there are different cards for whether you are competing in a um, a collective trial or a duel and these cards um, a lot of people like to say that it's like Meeple Circus but hey, so long as it works so um, so is the dexterity actually with the player itself or is it talking about the dexterity of the character you are playing so you yourself. Okay. Um, so some of the tasks are each person holds one meeple in their hand mm -hmm. and you throw it in the air and try and catch it and then you keep adding meeples to your hand until the first person drops uh, it and then okay. you get victory points based on who can hold the most meeples in your hand. <laughs> okay well that is, uh, that is at least something that most gamers are familiar with already even if they've never played the game. Okay, that's dexterity. What about something more strategy? I see something called Little Town over here. Yes, Little Town is a fun game for all members of the family. It is a strategy game where you are using tile placement and worker placement to um, gather resources and build your own little town. I think I think that, that 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 is more than sufficient. Like I said, we'll have some we'll have some images to kind of give an idea of what of what we're working with. Um, well, I want to thank you very much for taking just a few minutes to tell us about a few of the games that you've got going on here. Uh, is there anything else that we should know from Yellow before we we uh, call it a, a, a very early day? Just look out for all of these coming soon. Um especially at Gen Con. All right, perfect. Well, thank you again. I appreciate your time. I appreciate it as well. All right, so we were just with Cristelli. I also have another person to tell us a little bit about the history of Yellow. Diana Ramirez is here with me. Hello, hello. <laughs> I am I'm ecstatic to, uh, to get another uh, perspective of the excellent game manufacturer of Yellow. So what do you do for Yellow? So I am the marketing manager and press relations for Yellow, um, uh, especially the, the subdivision, which is Yellow USA. Well, maybe you can help me break my habit of mispronouncing the game manufacturer name over and over. I've seen it as ILO, and I've been working on it, and I'm now <laughs> to the point where I go E-Yellow, -E -E so I will eventually get to just yellow, and it'll stick. Yes. Well, it helps remember that everything we have is of the yellow color, so that, <laughs> that's that, how we try to remind our fans to say it, but honestly, you know, like anything else, we respond to whatever you want to call us up, but the correct name to say is yellow. Okay. I, I promise. It'll only take me <laughs> another couple of months. I'm going to get that down. So we were talking a little bit before and uh, how much we... Uh, how much we have kind of enjoyed <laughs> Someone the is the king of Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. I was actually just about to say how much I enjoyed that game in particular. <laughs> but I was hoping to get just a little of uh, history uh, about the company, how long you've been together, some of the yeah, past sure. triumphs and things mm -hmm. like that. So basically, Yellow, our headquarters is in France. We have a lot of different subsidiaries because we're an international gaming company. We started in Nancy, France, and that was founded in about 2008. And in 2008, we were actually just a distributor. So not a lot of people know that about us, that we were there to help out the market and distribute games. We were not a publisher up until about um, 2010. And in 2012, we started Yellow USA to try to help and service the um, U.S. market. Fantastic. So when did, when did the company make the shift from distribution to games? What's the game that they decided, okay, we've got something to contribute 
we need it to be this. That was Richard Garfield's King of Tokyo. Um, that basically, um, we met with Richard and um, we were in talks with different publishers at that time. Um, and we really felt really passionate about what he was bringing and, and um, we couldn't just turn away. We said, this is how we make our, our entrance into the market. We make, and we were just, amazed by everything, every single dynamic, every single mechanism and all the concepts and elements that were put into King of Tokyo. And so we felt, you know what, Yellow is going to make the switch. We're going to be um, a publisher ourselves. And ever since then, we've had amazing titles come in, amazing artists. Um, that is definitely one of our biggest things that we focus on. The beauty of the, the art, how the pieces work together, how they lay out. The story behind them is really important to us because we want to connect with our audience. We want to connect with the people who are coming to your, your gaming table and we want to create an environment that is really welcoming and really stands by like the mission of Yellow which is to play more board games, to bring people together and to create a board gaming community that's not just the continuous board gamers but also people who are not less familiar with the board games. So. Since Richard Garfield was the introductory individual, I mean, he's he's yes. kind of a name in the industry. Yeah. Were, were you both excited and mildly kind of curious when the game that he was going to bring didn't involve buying pack after pack of cards that yeah. you needed to? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's really funny. And we actually made a social media post not too long ago about that. Where it was just like, um, you know, here's Magic the Gathering. And then here's Richard Garfield's King of Tokyo. Um, he also created Bunny Kingdom for us as well. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a shift for him. But he actually had that concept for a while. And he had just like been holding on to it. And we started talks with him. And then we decided to, you know, like work together on bringing it to life. Fantastic. Well, then I've got one last question. Sure. Uh, what is probably of the group of yellow games? Yeah. Yellow. Yellow games. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> past or potential future, what are your favorites? Oh, my. Okay, I have so many. So I think classics-wise that I would consider like our ever, we call them evergreen because um, we like to be fancy with our terms. Um, King of Tokyo is definitely up there. Um, let's see, um, Loot and Run is a good one for me. I really love it. Um, and I think it's like a little underrated by people, but well, I really like it. Push Your Luck games definitely have their yeah. place. Yeah, it's actually the one, the uh, probably the only Push Your Luck game where I've actually won multiple times because Ooh. I happen to be very unlucky when it comes to those type of games. Strategy, all the way. But, um... Yeah, so I like that. Um, of the newer games, well, I'm really excited uh, about our Loki line. Our Loki line is um, a brand new line for, uh, it, we're calling it Creative Imaginative Fun, and it's kind of like an entryway for kids, really, to get to know the mechanisms that go into board gaming, and it's fun for the whole family. So, um, you know, tile placement, strategy, all those things are actually elements that we definitely want to emphasize in every game that we have. But um, I'm really excited about that brand all together. But um, my favorite games include Raids. I love that because Vikings and ships. And yeah. I mean... Can't go I, wrong there. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that. And the tokens in the game themselves are pretty heavy. Um, and they're just extremely well made. Um, I love that. I love... Hmm, there's so many, which is hard. Um, we partnered actually with Scorpion uh, Mask and we created Zombie Kids Evolution and that's one of our newest games. And I'm really passionate about that one because it's zombies and you got like kids with superpowers. So I love the story behind it and it's just super fun, it's a legacy style game. Um, so I'd say like that Bunny Kingdom, really a lot of things by Richard Garfield I'm, I'm a huge fan about. Well, he's really good. He's yeah. really good. Yeah, so. I mean, I could go on forever because they all have so, so many different elements that I really love to them. But I would say, like, if I were to sit down right now and play some games, it'd either be like a Bunny Kingdom or a Raids or um, 
some of like the Loki brand games like SOS Dino because it's got dinosaurs and it's and pretty awesome. And if those are the actual figs in the game, they look very nice. Yes, they have miniatures and there's four different unique dinosaurs and you're going, there's tile placement, a little bit of um, push your luck concept because you got to draw the right, you know, the, the tiles from this bag and then you're trying to get to safety and there's meteorite strikes that happen uh. and could hurt the dinosaurs. So it's like very real, so but also fun. It's good to introduce death to children as early <laughs> as possible. You know, I was playing with a few kids and one of the dinosaurs got struck by a meteorite and uh, I was like, it's sleeping. <laughs> You're like, that was such a cute dinosaur. Is it dead? I'm like, no, it's sleeping. Please ask your parents about the history of how it <laughs> got dinosaurs. That's, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking a few minutes and thank you again, Christelli, to, uh, to also speak with me and I hope you guys have a great rest of the con. Thank you so much. You <laughs> as well. Right. Now, wasn't that fun? I had fun. Mm. I know it kind of feels like a kind of a Mr. Rogers thing coming back like that. But, you know, considering the movie's coming out and all here soon, I felt it. Yes, but it needs to be like, that wasn't that fun. Yeah. And like more of a tender, soothing, yeah. reassuring voice. <laughs> I don't know if I have that. I have more of the uh, uh, nails on the chalkboard kind of uh, nasal now, wasn't that just a great conversation? That's not Mr. Rogers. No, no, but still Easy same, feel. same feel. Ah, I miss Mr. Rogers. That was that was the best. But you can watch Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Yeah, I don't know that one. Is it's, that a sports reference? No, no, though. That's legitimate. That's what they have now, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. That's the replacement show? Mm, it's a cartoon. Huh. I didn't even know there was a replacement cartoon. I'm so out of touch. Yeah. I'm sure it is fantastic. I'm not going to pass judgment until I watch it, and then I will. <laughs> Check it out now, PBS Kids. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like you have some personal experience. Well, moving on. I mean, that was great talking with the folks from Yellow, which they taught me that it's Yellow and not ELO, which is really good because again i don't just mangle names of people i mangle names of companies too yeah when you say elo i immediately thought of electric light orchestra yeah it was that's my fault i, I messed up so next up one of the bigger manufacturers of games um originally kind of known to a lot of people uh for their uh clickies are kind of what they're called uh, but hero clicks uh like was, q-u-e click no, like uh, C L I C K I E S. That's kind of the, okay. the the nickname. So you've never you've never seen Clickies. No. Okay. So before we get into the review, because we talk a little bit about the origins of Mage Knight and and uh, and Hero Clicks, but the whole concept is this: uh, you get these plastic figurines uh, that are suspended on a base. I have some. I of course did not get any out to show on camera because I'm prepared. But uh, yes, well, <laughs> I mean, we're exactly going to do anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so the whole the whole concept is they have a variety of these different things. Some of them have to do with Marvel superheroes. Some have to do with DC superheroes. Some have to do with Star Trek. They've got a bunch of different flavors of it. So you'll have the character and it'll either be a common or an uncommon or a rare or a special or a promo. They each have kind of different band colors on the base is just this this black base and it has a set of statistics for strength and movement and special abilities and as they take damage you click them aside and the stats change Ooh. until eventually you know the, the character's dead and there's little maps that you can get for it and there's all sorts of just neat stuff that goes along with it and it's been going strong for quite a long time in fact uh, the story that i have told in the past about my worst experience at a convention also happening at an origins uh, not again, not Origins' fault. It's just the stuff around Origins that was terrible that year. Uh, that was the year that Hero Clicks came out, and that's sadly been well over a decade ago. It's uh, <laughs> uh, time flies way too fast. But uh, anyway, so that's kind of their big thing. It's not their only thing. They have a ton of good games, and in fact, you know, uh, the nice. Uh, Nice individual, Michelle Ellenbacher, uh, uh, took a few minutes to tell me about some of them and some other things. So hopefully you will enjoy this conversation as well. 
We're back, Origins 2019, at the WizKids booth with Michelle Ellenbacher. Thank you for taking a moment to talk with us. Hey, yeah, very excited to be on. So, WizKids has been around for a little while. Yep, yep. Been through lots of different stages and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I know when I came to Origins back much longer ago than I care to admit, uh, that uh, the first experience I had was right about the transition between Mage Knight and Hero Clicks. Ah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was it was called the Origins to Forget in my mind. Not because of the convention itself, but just kind of everything else that happened around the convention. But it was a really exciting time uh, at the point with the, with the new history of the games that you were releasing. So I was hoping to maybe get just a little bit about who you are in the history of WizKids. Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Michelle. I've been with WizKids about two years, a little over that right now. So was not at the uh, Origins to Forget, unfortunately, I guess. But uh, I work mostly in production and logistics on board games, uh, closely with Zev, who is definitely a big part of our growth in the board games uh, bit. Funny you mentioned Mage Knight, because it was just inducted alongside the designer Vlada into the Origins Hall of Fame, and we're super happy. Uh, that was a beautiful game. Yeah, and Vlada 100% deserves it with uh, the... Because you can design something for, that's as complex as Mage Knight to code names, and when I made that connection, having you know known both games before, you know, connecting those uh, two together, I was my mind was blown. So um, yeah, so uh, WizKids, you know, a lot of people think of HeroClix, our biggest line. Uh, we've got a huge tournament presence this year, and it's still going strong with some exciting stuff coming up. Um, I. I'll get questions about, oh, there's this power on this dial. I can't answer those, unfortunately. Um, but uh, in 2016, uh, we, we've been producing board games uh, here and there previously. Uh, Quarriers, Mage Knight, obviously, mm -hmm. two of our Absolutely. biggest titles. Uh, Mage Knight still going strong. We just released the Ultimate Edition last year. Was that the first game that WizKids did? Oh, um, the original Mage Knight, I don't think so. I couldn't tell you the very first one, actually. Mm, time to research. It's been a while. Um, but, yeah, uh, we added uh, uh, Zev Schlossinger to our roster, and he's really helped build the board game program to where we're releasing some very cool stuff, and uh, our catalog is growing all the time. We've got a uh, bunch of games on demo here today, and I have like seven or eight that I keep rotating through the booth coming out. Um, so, well, tell us about a couple. Let's start with a, a couple of the current popular games that are already released and yeah. uh, talk about those and maybe uh, move on to some of the really exciting stuff you have coming out next. Absolutely. So you mentioned Mage Knight. Mage Knight Ultimate has been a big uh, production for us because besides the giant size of the box and the um, real big release in the U.S., uh, we localized it into nine languages and are adding a tenth with Hungarian on the current reprint that's coming on. So it's a very interesting time to work with that many localizers. Zev has connections uh, across a lot of countries. And I mean, besides Mage Knight, we work with the, our game Fantasy Realms, I think, is in seven or eight languages now. Nice. Um, all of that. But it's a very interesting uh, experience to work on that. Um, for demo today, we have uh, probably the biggest hit, especially today is Kids Day, is Smash City. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what what's that? Uh, what is that about? So you are giant kaiju monsters destroying a city. It's a physical, very physical game. Uh, you have uh, foam dice with different monster stickers on them. Uh, they'll roll different numbers and correspond to different attacks. You are physically destroying a cardboard city. The uh, dice are about two and a half inches across. The highest building is maybe like 10 inches tall. Um, and you got eight buildings. You get points for knocking over the buildings, or you get additional cards for knocking over the buildings, but the goal is to get the most victory points by damaging other people and fighting armies that will damage you as the game accelerates. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun. I can see why that would be popular today. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a popular demo. Uh, sometimes we'll just have kids want to roll dice. Totally fine, play how you want. Um, but also for demo, we have Kodachi, a uh, push-your-luck type game uh, that uh, the designer, the designer is local to Origins. Uh, he was here the other day uh, demoing it, and um, we're almost sold through, honestly. Excellent. Yeah, uh, but that's out for sale. That just released last week. Um, also, uh, it's been out for a little bit longer, but Rise and Fall of Anvilor is a 
kind of like a tower defense game. You're building a city. You got to place your units strategically uh, because once you build a communal city tile, uh, enemies start gathering around the borders of the city and will make an assault across. Um, it's the Warhammer Age of Sigmar uh, okay. universe. So uh, there's six different factions. There's three different enemies with four different uh, modifiers. So there's plenty of variability in the game. And uh, the designer, Rustin Hawkinson, I probably butchered that and probably will still butcher it, um, uh, spent a long time building out the variability of the solo play. It's got a very robust solo play and uh, the replayability of each time. It comes with tons and tons of tiles. If you pick up the box, it's like eight pounds. Um, that's, that's the sign of a good game or <laughs> a uh, box full of bricks, one of the two. Yeah, but uh, it's, you know, there's plenty of screw for the tiles, but uh, y there's a lot in there. And the box is well designed. We worked, I worked on it myself and I'm proud of that one nice. and avoiding a second market insert. No uh, offense, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, one of the things that I've noticed about uh, WizKids is there tends to be a lot of um, intellectual property diversity with oh. the game. I mean, you've got you've got uh, the the Games Workshop and, and what we were just talking about. You've got this uh, Nemo Rising that I'm sure we'll talk about here in a minute. That's got some uh, some interesting stuff from uh, stories that are existing. You've got uh, Star Trek. You've got you know the, the hero clicks, of course. Got the Marvel and the DC. Is do you have any experience with any of the complexities of working out those uh, those those deals with the other companies to use those kinds of rights? It's it's different for everyone. It's you know uh, different licensors will care about different aspects of their line, but uh, we're very well versed in working with these different licensors as for uh, like Marvel and DC, we've worked with Heroclix for years and years and years and uh, you know can expand onto that. Same with Star Trek, same with Star Trek, um, lots of uh, experience and it's always something we'll keep in mind when looking at new games like that sounds like a Star Trek or uh, Dungeons and Dragons, so Wizards of the Coast is another big one. Um, that we love growing their business with. Uh, Rock, Paper, Wizard is a classic. That one's also been in plenty of languages um, that we're constantly reprinting, and we have a uh, expansion that just released at the end of last year that's, you know, lots of lots of interest in it. Um, on top of our ever-growing uh, unpainted miniatures line and uh, painted booster bricks. For those of us with... Uh with no skill, uh, that's always a daunting <laughs> thing to it see, is. but it's so pretty when it comes out right. Well, yeah. well, tell me about a couple of the new games that you are displaying that will be coming out soon. Yeah, sure. Uh, let's move over here to all of this. So we'll start out with a simple one, uh, Kibble Scuffle. It's it's $20 price point, but you get a lot of game for it. The box is physically a box of kibble that you shake out cubes each time. It's a base defense game with adorable cat art. Um, so as you place cats around, uh, you, once you put, place one each turn, when you get to five, they eat. But there's only four cubes, so mm. one may go home hungry. The discard pile gets recycled, so that's fine. <laughs> um, uh, but where you place your cat along the three bowls makes a big difference. Um, and, you know... There's a lot of strategy to it for a adorable cat game. Strategy and cuteness, a good combination. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, the, I, don't, I don't know if I can clearly uh, communicate it on uh, podcast form, but uh, there's a spout on the box. We, we will we will have a good picture that will go along with this. Anybody that's ever tried to use Cascade or anything else from uh, something <laughs> like that to, to, to wash dishes in a dishwasher or has cats will recognize the spout. Uh, Absolutely. What about this three dragon ante? It so, looks pretty. Yeah, Three Dragon Ante, originally released in the early 2000s. Um, we're uh, coming out with our Legendary Edition. It's probably going to be end of August, possibly beginning of September. Um, it's going to have a gorgeous box to match the D&D books. Um, and it comes with tokens, lots and lots of tokens. Um, so you don't have to worry about scrounging up whatever you can find to play like the original edition. Um, we've added a couple cards. Uh, the same gameplay is there. It's a great game on its own, or you can play within your D&D game. Um, the rulebook includes rules that maybe your rogue may have an opportunity to sneak an extra card. Your, uh, if you're trained in intimidation, you might be able to intimidate somebody from playing their high card, uh, stuff like that. But we had our D&D uh, detail folks go through it and 
make sure that it was released during third edition and just it makes sense during fifth edition as well. Uh, but it's it's great. It's going to be twenty five dollars. You get a lot with it and a nice uh, plastic tray to hold all the cards. Yeah, fantastic. Um, now you were telling me about uh, this uh, poker game, the Sovereign's yeah, Chain. Yeah, Sovereign's Chain. It's kind of like a the game you might play in a uh, space station, maybe a little CD. You know, an in-world poker, almost like Three Dragon Ante in D and D, or uh, what you call it in Star Wars. I just I can't call it. the name always slips it. It's a weird uh, type thing. But uh, so there's essentially two suits, uh, stars and planets. Each should I? Oh, you're you're fine. This is this is part of the ambiance, so uh. that uh, people can <laughs> feel like they're here with us. Absolutely. The the. Uh, the announcements have been funny, at least. Uh, they got some fun people doing that. But you start with the card face down, so you're not sure exactly what everyone's plan is at the outset. You start playing cards. Um, maybe you want to be deceptive. Some let you change suits. Some let you hide a card until the end. Uh, others will let you shuffle stuff around, cover things up. Um, you play out your individual chain or onto other people's chains. Then the game ends as soon as one person gets seven on their chain. At that point, anything that's upside down pops off. And uh, this mercenary, maybe you don't know what you're going to do, so that one lets you choose a suit for uh, five points of that. Uh, the runner would let you cover up another card, and surprise, I'm going with uh, a high, uh, pl- uh, high stars here. And there's a lot of deception. I, I can't even like pick a good category for it. It's difficult to really uh, describe and, you know, pick a good, uh, yes, this is a hand management game. This is a something else like that on Board Game Geek. So I just kind of have to describe the uh, mechanics. We've played in the office a couple times and it's fantastic. Uh, there's enough deception. I, as many times as we've played it, I, there's no, like, I can't think of a way to solve it because it's going to keep varying as you go on. Well, that's generally the sign of a good game, I would say. Uh, it keeps you, keeps you guessing, keeps you engaged and interested, and the, each play is a little bit different. Definitely. You, you start out, and I think, I'm, oh, I have a bunch of high planet cards in my hand. I'm going to go with that, and then it changes over the course. Fantastic. And for, uh, for those of us that uh, talking, uh, we were talking about painting uh, a moment ago and how I uh, tend to uh, avoid painting unpainted fix because my skill level is just not sufficient to make it look <laughs> quite as good. You have a game that is uh, uh, Games Workshop related with uh, mm-hmm. the Warhammer with the option of having everything already pre-painted in case you are <laughs> like me and I would like it to be pretty before I actually start playing it. Uh, yeah. th- tell me a little bit about Relic. Yeah, so uh, Relic is the uh, well-known uh, version of Talisman basically that in the Warhammer 40k universe. Um, so it's an adventure game. You go around the board. Enemies come out. Uh, there's uh, different uh, goals you can uh, work towards and effectors on that. Uh, but yeah, the miniatures are definitely the biggest uh, biggest uh, thing we're doing. The original print had just busts. We added arms <laughs> with weapons, and uh, whether you choose the painted or unpainted version, we're releasing both because. Warhammer people, I hear, like to paint things. If you look at the original Board Game Geek uh, page for Relic, it's full of people's like awesome paint jobs. So oh, yeah. we'll give you that option. Painting, or, painting, modding, making it your own. Yeah, it's it's impressive. So, or if you do not want to paint, like you or I, I'm learning, but uh, <laughs> still not that great. Um, there's a pre-painted version. All ten figures, all ten busts are. Uh, pre-painted the the detail is gorgeous obviously a higher price point but um (laughs) you pay for uh, a little bit more quality and your time uh but yeah we're really happy with how they came out the uh one that we have here and you'll get a photo of at least is the production copy so it's not like we just pick the best one it's this is this is what you get um but the other we didn't really touch the rule book it's already got plenty of uh finesse to it and the uh, we upgraded some cards that were previously just cardstock to full punch board, so hopefully Fantastic. they don't break. <laughs> but let's see. We've also got Merlin's Beast Hunt, which is releasing. Oh, most of these are releasing August. Um, let's see, Kibble Scuffles July, um, and I'll tell you some more about some other ones. Merlin's Beast Hunt is also August. Um, it comes with a ton of dice in different colors. Everyone gets 
uh, custom dice that have a unicorn and different uh, elemental symbols on them. You roll the dice, and if you get two of the same, you can build a base of a wall, and uh, from there, as long as you have a matching uh, wall card, um, make start to make a pen. Uh, there's different beasts that'll come out onto the board, move around, um, do all of this. Uh, so it's essentially like that game you might have played when you were a kid with a, a grid of dots. You draw the lines between them uh, and then sign your initial in the middle. But this time it's a mythical beast and a li little bit more complicated. Well, um, <laughs> well, that's pretty. And this looks like it'd be a very popular one for kids. It gives them something to kind of grasp onto and yeah, yeah. visually engage with. Yeah, the um, sample we have here is uh, pre-production. The, the uh, final cards are definitely going to be uh, transparent with the translucent uh, art on them, but rounded corners. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and at the end, you score. You get points for a couple things. For every beast you uh, capture, they come off the board after you capture them. And you get the points as well as when you build walls, whether it's uh, braced completely with your color, you get more points. Whether uh, you, know, you match every side. Uh, that's other points, and also... Um, it gives yeah. you some complexity to go with. Yeah, it's relatively quick. Um, a lot of dice rolling, a lot of... Like, they're all these custom dice in different colors. And when somebody runs out of the dice of their color, uh, they... Uh, the game ends. Uh, so... So <laughs> then we've got... We go from the, the, the mythic to the potentially uh, scary. Yeah, it's a little terrifying. Uh, a lot of people saw it in... You know, walking by, they're like, what is that? Tell me about it. And either they're terrified and want it, and then or love horror and also want it. So Haka Ona is a game that we localized from uh, a Japan the original Japanese game of the same name. Um, it literally means box girl. Um, it was printed like four different editions in Japan, sold a whole bunch. I don't have the exact numbers, but... Um, it's a horror game that does a really great job at creating suspense. Um, I've been people keep asking about it. I say we'll do a demo at the end of the day, like, and I've had people come back and just like watch. Uh, so it's a one versus all mechanic. Um, one person plays the Hako Ona. She doesn't get a meeple. Everyone else does. Uh, I've described it as imagine a betrayal haunt for the ring, but not really. She's hiding in a box. Mm -hmm. So you go around. There's a bunch of tiles out on the board, and you're peeking at them. Uh, so maybe you find an item, maybe you find, um, you know, a piece, a piece of the safe to unlock the door, um, or maybe you find your diary tile that unlocks more powers for her. So it kind of accelerates the game as it goes on. But if you peek at her, you die immediately, and you become her servant, kind of, a Hakobito. Uh, your tile also goes on the board, and you both move around switching out so I would as the Hakaona I would pick it up put an item there you can um, the Hakaona wins if she kills everyone um, the players win if they can find her weakness and kill her if they can find the escape the house uh, by unlocking the safe and getting the key or if they reunite her body with her like spirit doll there's a lot of like creepy diary entries about this doll that you have to like figure out um, I mean, it's not really a mystery, they tell you, but it's still creepy to read. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes it fun. I mean, especially if you want something that's going to be a little bit different. I mean, this, this, is, this seems like it's very much uh, for the game, uh, mm -hmm. for the group that maybe has tried a lot of the regular stuff and wants to branch mm -hmm. out. Now, for the gaming group that is comprised of people that like to throw things at each other, you also have a game <laughs> that, that kind of fits with that. Ooh, can I tell you one more thing about Haka Ona, though? Sure. Um, there's a oh, dexterity yeah. component That's in it. I'm right. like, how did I skip this? It creates so much tension. Uh, we have uh, five discs out, and there's a higher level one that has a larger blip. So there's a, I call it a blip, it's like a half pearl thing. And each turn you have to stack a disc on top of the pearl. So player one goes, you stack this disc. Player two goes, you have to stack it on top. Player three gets one with the little like half pearl on it to stack, which makes it uneven. And when you fall, you make noise, and the Hakaona immediately takes her turn. Uh, so maybe you can stack them all and you can uh, like hold her off for a while, but probably not. <laughs> yeah, in my gaming group, uh, she'd kill us in about three rounds. If yeah, I was if on. if you suck with the dexterity component, or you're playing on a train, or you know you have uh, you know hand mobility issues, there is a card option as well where you flip over cards until they reach eleven. It's like one through six, so That's you solid. get at least two turns. Yeah. Or if you just get sick of it, yeah. which some people do. Uh, 
what else do we have? So if you're a Star Trek fan, we have Conflict in the Neutral Zone, which is a dexterity game that is designed by Mike Elliott, who is a Gamma Hall of Famer and a well-known designer. Um, I, a lot of people are surprised at dexterity, huh? But it's a very clever game. Um, you have a board with diff a large board with different planets, like circles on it, and a bunch of tokens representing different Star Trek ships. You'll recognize a lot of them. Maybe some not. I didn't, even though I'm like a Star Trek fan. Yeah. Uh, the ships aren't my biggest interest. Sometimes they're in like a single episode, so yeah. it's kind of hard <laughs> to, to really know all of them. Exactly. Um, but you start out with basic ships. Others you will gain um, currency over time in those little uh, yellow crystals that you can use to buy larger and uh, more complicated ships with a whole bunch of different powers. Maybe they'll let you flick twice. Maybe they let you flick from somewhere else. Maybe you can hold your ship as a defense mode. Uh, there's also asteroids you can place to kind of strategically like block people from getting in the way. You. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that one's coming out in July. It's almost like we're getting it right about nice. there yep um but it's it's a lot of fun and i'm not a dex game person yeah i uh like like i said if, if it comes down to dexterity I, i'm generally going to have some problems <laughs> yeah i tend to flick things way too hard and i hit people and i'm like i'm so sorry i'm terrible with this yep. put out an eye mm -hmm. all right well let's finish out strong let's let's talk about one more all that right. that is of your preference do you uh, okay. Which of these do you think is the, the big draw? Can I do two real quick? <sighs> yeah, uh, I guess. Uh, Nemo Rising is an adventure game coming out in September, designed by Andrew Parks and Matthew Catron. Catron? I'm not sure how to say it. But um, it's based on, it's like, very. if you like steampunk, it's very steampunk. It's an adventure game that plays relatively quickly. You play different characters from C. Courtney Joyner's novel uh, of the same name, Nemo Rising, that... Um, so Nemo, Ulysses S. Grant are two of the main characters. It's His novel is a continuation of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So I um, haven't read it personally, but I've had like a couple a couple fans come up and they say like, oh, I hear he's making a game. I want to see. Um, but you explore the map. There's two different scenarios, a bunch of different, like you're either in like an engine room or uh, under the sea. And uh, so two completely different things there. Also, like, tons of different mission cards that'll change the game every time. Uh, enemies come out in a relatively random way, so they might stack up, they might, and they move around the board. But it plays in about 45 minutes, and it's coming out in September. Another very pretty-looking game. Yeah, the uh, hopefully you get a good picture of some of the art on it, the tray, all of that. Palm trees I can talk about real quick. That's why I'm saying two. So we Who doesn't like palm trees? We I actually met somebody who's like, our friend hates palm trees. We need to play this game. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to ask. But um, so it is, we jokingly call it a hand management game because uh, you start out with three cards and you they each have a point value and a hand indicated on there. And you have to hold it between those fingers or in that way indicated on the card. So I have like pinky and middle finger. And then this one is index and palm. But they get a little zanier as time goes on. So it's twister just for the hand. Hand twister, yes. Mm -hmm. That is one way uh, people have described it. But you start out with palm leaves, and you eventually go to coconuts, which have this one can't touch your hand. This one you have to hold between your hand and head, which isn't that hard, but now you can't see anything. Um, it plays quickly. Uh, when somebody drops all of their cards, you're signing them to each other to try and, ah, you can't use those fingers. How are you going to do this? Um, well, one thing is they're PVC, so you can, like, bend them around That's stuff. That's good. Um, they're not completely indestructible, but I've this has been played by tons of people all weekend, and it's still in Yeah, it looks like it's in really good shape. Yeah, and if they do get a little bent, you just flex them out. Uh, the other fun thing is that it comes with a tattoo sleeve that looks like the trunk of a palm tree. So as you hold it in your hand, you, are, you build your own palm tree. <laughs> um, it, it might be a little funky-looking palm tree, but... Um, that's how it goes. Um, when somebody drops their all their cards, everyone else counts up their points. So higher, harder ones tend to be more points. So you might be screwing somebody over, but if they make it till the end, you might be helping them. That's uh, this is 20 bucks. It's selling super well today, It's re but it's releasing in July, at the beginning of July, just because of distribution timing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And 
fun fact. Yeah. Uh, well, the designer was here to demo it, and it was it's been a lot of fun like talking with him. Uh, the palm tree on the sleeve is actually a picture of Zev's palm tree, like from his yard that we edited to like the right dimensions to be the sleeve. Nice. So it's just a fun game overall. Um, it's great with kids have fun with it uh your drunk friends will have fun with it um and it's just like it's a quick game to play between things too so 20 bucks uh and we've been selling through a bunch so well that sounds like a lot of fun all of them actually sound like they uh they could fit anybody's game group and uh yeah and even if you're not a gamer as i i believe a a chunk of our listeners have not really engaged mm. into the tabletop uh whiz kids is a great <laughs> place to start uh Truthfully, anybody that we've talked to has been a great place to start, but I've always yeah. been a big fan of the WizKids stuff. Awesome. So thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for listening to me uh, rant on about all of these games I'm so excited about. It's, uh, you know, an, a great time working for WizKids. A uh, little bit of a dream job. Still very stressful, but uh, a <laughs> little bit of, you know, everything is. Though. Well, anything that's worth pursuing is going to have a little bit of that stress associated with it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, talking with us. Absolutely. Thank you. And we're back. And we're back. Wasn't that lovely? See, I still can't do it. It's just not, uh, just not kind of, not my bag. Not mm. my bag, baby. No. That's mm. also not my bag, because uh, that was a terrible impression. Gosh, what was I thinking? I had some other awesome powers thought earlier on in the morning, too. It's like the same, okay, it's, it was maybe a Beyonce reference, because we were talking about The Lion King and... That's another story. We'll yes, that it. is another story. I love Beyonce, by the way. I <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind Beyonce as an artist and performer. We'll leave it there. Yeah, okay. In fact, he's going to be doing one of our first uh, movie reviews from Richard specifically coming Ooh. up here, too. Going to do a little review of Lion King. That would be a lot of fun, too. Preview. <clears throat> a little preview. But we're going to take this opportunity just real quick to remind our listeners and hopefully our viewers that you can catch us in a lot of different locations. Sometimes we can be on Twitch. We will let you know when that happens uh, a little ahead of time. You know, uh, Richard does a, a, a good job of making sure that, that people are aware of things on Instagram. What are we on Instagram, Richard? Pudding guys. We are the pudding guys. That's the same thing we are on uh, Facebook as well. And you can catch us, of course, on Twitter as at Real Pudding Guys. And then maybe the most important, uh, or at least the newest of the different places you can see us, is our Patreon page. Please come visit us. Uh, we are going to have more and more stuff on the Patreon as we go. We're keeping it pretty limited first. I mean, right now, we're, we're having a single place where you can donate to the Pudding Guys to help us create what we're creating today. Just something simple, a dollar per month. Uh, you know, you can't even get a Coke for a dollar per month unless you're buying like the uh, grocery store two liter special bottles you know, and that's about it that's about it that you can get with a dollar nowadays but it definitely helps us and it, and it will be great we're going to have some advertising options coming up shortly on patreon and some other special things that you're going to be able to get but uh, pop on by and we would love to uh, see you and see your commentary and of course we also have a website uh, www.puttingguys dot com that's right we were almost in sync there you know that's the that's the important thing close. We, we are on the same page of different just books. off the cuff you know <laughs> but yeah come on leave some messages we have a forum if you have a movie review leave your movie review in your style or in our style we'll respond we'll see it it, it is a is a community we are wanting to build mm -hmm. but until next time uh, keep on playing games roll some dice have some fun squeeze your family We'll see you next time. Crisworthy? <laughs> it wasn't that bad.